0: Hey everyone, this is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I'm super excited today because I got Bailey Eggprett here with me today. He is a kayak angler, a tournament angler. He's the host of the Serious Angler Podcast and the creator of the Serious Angler Podcast Network. He also has a YouTube channel that is called Be The Fish. So what's going on, Bailey? What's
1: going on, man? Appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, man. Excited to have you here. And I just want to just jump right into it, man, and talk about the Hobie Bass Open Series. Can you tell me a little bit like the differences you see in the kayak tournament scene as you would in like a normal scene?
1: Yeah. So like, uh, a lot of people, when they think about bass tournaments, uh, typically it goes back to like bass master, right. Bass nation, which is the OG of it all, uh, before like FLW came to the scene. Um, and that's what everybody attributes to, you know, big boats, like bass boats all decked out looking like spaceships these days. And, uh, uh, in line of like the competition, it's theoretically the same, you know, but, uh, it's basically from a kayak. And what we do is, uh, some tournaments more like your, your local or regional stuff is sometimes it's three fish, but like the Hobie Bass open series and national trails, they're all five fish. Same thing as the bass boat side, but we go by length. Uh, and we use our, uh, it's, it's interesting cause we have to use our most important gear is a board and a phone because it, it's all by your, your five longest fish for the day or over the matter of, Two three days pending the tournament, um, but it's pretty cool. It's a it's a really accessible way to get into uh, tournament competition, um, and it's one that I've fallen in love with. Being that I haven't had a boat, you know, i got into kayak fishing. That was my route into really learning about bass fishing. Um, but it, it's a cool way for for people to buy a paddle kayak for eight hundred bucks, have a couple of rods and reels, and could go win you know ten grand in a tournament. So it's, uh, it's a pretty cool deal with uh, a big big room for ROI on it, but it's, uh, it's, it's growing. It's blowing up like crazy, and uh, it's a lot of fun. The camaraderie is really cool. And it's, uh, it's essentially kind of the same, same route of things as, like, you see on the boat side, but just out of a, a plastic boat.
0: It's insane. And, Bailey, I, I did check out your YouTube channel before this, uh, Be The Fish and I saw your pin post, your pin video there was you actually winning 10 grand, um, out of your, out of your kayak. So can you walk us through, um, what that feels like kind of just getting that, getting that check, man, getting that 10 grand out of your kayak and kind of just how you got to that point.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we have a local trail here in New York, uh, called NYKBF, New York Kayak bass fishing. And, uh, for, for New York, we get a, a pretty decent pull where it's you know anywhere from 40 to, to 60 anglers that compete in it. And uh, I've been doing fairly well on that, being consistent um, and really just me being a competitor. I mean, we talked offline how I grew up playing hockey and I've always just been insanely competitive, whether it's you know, from a legitimate sports team to me and buddies playing backyard football, like I'm just the guy that takes things way, not, I shouldn't say way too serious, but I'm always the one that makes a competition out of something. Um, And growing up, you know, I was an athlete in college. And then after college, I was like, dang, like, the hell am I going to do like for the rest of my life from a competitive aspect? And uh, tournament fishing really, really fit that mold for me. It helped to kind of fill that gap. And uh, ever since then, I just kind of was like, I, I, I was always, wanting to push myself, see where I stacked up. And I always saw these people out traveling around the country from the kayak doing the same thing I was doing locally, but they were traveling to Alabama, Florida, Texas, like going all over the place. And they're winning some pretty good money. And uh, money aside, I was just more like, I want to know how good I am. Like I'm doing okay on the New York trail, but I want to see how I stack stack up nationally. And uh, the best series out there from a competitive aspect is the Hobie Bass open series. So last year was my first year doing that hopped in a bunch of them. And, uh, the first one, I sucked. I got like forty eighth out of 200 people. And, uh, it was, it was kind of like that learning curve and going into my next tournament, made some adjustments and such. And it would dude, it was, it was interesting. It was more of competitive. I got into that tournament on a lake I've never been to before. Super drastic changes, Um, the cool part about it was like, I camped out by myself the whole week. Didn't like need much beyond just the kayak, like, uh, and, and found myself figuring out a pattern and did well on day one. I was sitting tied for second on day one, which was like, kind of gave me a feeling of like, you know, maybe I can stack up with, with these, these, these anglers and, uh, went into the next day, had another solid day and, uh, had a feeling in the back of my mind that I was doing good, but it didn't click until we, uh, we got to award ceremony that day and, uh, figured out that I won, which do my onstage speech after, like during the live stream was so back. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Holy crap. Like for me, this, this kid, that's like, I don't know. Like at that point in time, I was car topping a, a Hobie a pro angler 12 from a Nissan Altima. I'm like, dang, 10 grand. Like this can change a lot of things for me. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't remember I blacked out during the speech, like, was like, just, you could tell I was a new kid on the block. Um, but it was one thing that it was it was really cool from, one, a confidence standpoint. But, two, I mean, that's a, a lot of money for a 25-year-old kid that's uh, still trying to get a house, paying off student loans and stuff. But uh, it, it's cool. Uh, with that, that qualified me for the Hobie Open Series Tournament of Champions, which was my one goal for the year, which is a top 50 championship uh, winners your top three of each event qualify or the top 22 in angler of the year standings which ended up qualifying through AOI and through the win so double qualifying exceeded my expectations for the year but uh it's cool to see the ROI that is becoming of of kayak fishing where you know for that specific tournament like all I really paid for expense wise was gas because I, I lived off of basically water and peanut butter sandwiches for the week for breakfast lunch and dinner which if you're willing to do that, it's, it's great. So like I I had a really good ROI for that tournament and it just made me more fall more in love with kayak fishing. The fact that I can choose where I want to go fish. I can choose if I fish a tournament or not. And I know that I'm not going to be spending that much money. If I, if I have a decent tournament, I'm going to get a decent return on investment. Uh, but dude, that the 10,000 was pretty, uh, I don't want to say it's life changing but it definitely helped uh, steer a, a path that I'm really enjoying going down of, one, just gave me some more national recognition, gave me confidence that I could hang with this group, uh, and just built way more passion for this tournament scene than I had re- originally had uh, had thought.
0: And Bailey, it's it's great that you hit on that confidence note because we've had a couple people from the uh, from the tournament that have talked about, there was kind of career changing moments where whether they won a tournament, whether they just caught the biggest fish of the tournament, whether it's the one angler of the year tournament. And that really turned their entire career to a 180, and allowed them to just fish with confidence and fish with the focus that they need to win tournament after tournament after tournament. So it's great to see you getting that $10,000. Like, Hey, you know what? I can do this, prove it to yourself. And then go out there and just continue to perform.
1: Yeah. And it was super cool. Um, because the the tournaments that I did really well in from a national standpoint this year, people that know me at home, uh, and I think it's starting to get a little bit known from the national side that I'm a very, I, I love to be away from the bank. I love to be as far offshore as I can. I'm a big electronics guy. I like, I have two graphs on my dang kayak. Like, I'm very techie when it comes to that stuff. I love, I have a passion for it. being a millennial. But I just, uh, it was one where I had no graphs in the kayak, was as backwoods as I could get. And I ended up winning that way, which is not the way I would have guessed that I would have had my first win, uh, let alone winning one at all. So it was, was kind of cool, like throughout the tournaments that went on, like I was very consistent from doing something that I thought was my weakness, uh, but turned into a confidence. And it, it was kind of cool. It was kind of eye opening, but I, I think I accomplished my goal last year of seeing where I stack up, but no, now it's just the, the challenge of being consistent with it. Right. I mean, it's some people have good years, but I mean, a lot of people have one good year, and then they're they're done. They're never heard of again. So my, my goal is to keep keep that ball rolling.
0: I love it. And just yeah. keep it rolling. Keep keep the momentum going down, right? Keep the momentum yeah. up and just keep going. The um thing I wanted to hit on there was the electronics because it's one of those things. Personally, I've been thinking about getting a live scope in, in my boat and getting some more electronics, upgrade them from what they produce in stock. Right. Um, Any recommendations you have on what you use and how you kind of use it um, throughout a tournament scene, or even if you're just fishing for fun, you know, how do you really incorporate that live scope or incorporate your electronics into your strategy throughout the tournament?
1: Yeah. The the biggest thing for me, uh, I'd say the one thing I utilize the most uh, is one mapping uh, being the biggest thing, being an offshore guy, kind of that steers your, uh, stairs where you're going to be looking for these fish right that gives you the basically the the path to one just finding areas to pick apart to use therefore use your side imaging use your 2d down imaging to one find the fish and that's what that's one of the parts i think i get the most satisfaction from is putting the work in behind the scenes of i mean you're staring at a screen for a while waiting for those those fish to plop up but it's uh that's a lot of my satisfaction is putting that theory in, using knowledge and trying to find them. And once they do show up, that's something that's really cool to me. That's more of my, that's almost more fun to me is when I can find them than actually catching them. Uh, But I'd say mapping side imaging is probably the most crucial uh, to an angler, especially if they like to fish offshore. Um, And even you could put that in a sense of fishing shallow where, especially if you fish banks, whether Mm. it's, tighter banks from an, from an incline standpoint, or if it's more flatter areas, it, it can play whether you fish offshore, fish deep, fish shallow, <clears throat> but um, I run mega live. It's a four facing sonar, similar to live but it's a Humminbird brand. And for me, there's a lot of people that think it's just a fish catcher, that it's, there's this misconception that you're automatically going to be catching more fish because you're using the thing. And going mag- to magically show up on your screen, which what's cool about it is you, to me, Uh, is you learn way more about fish than you realize before having that technology. You learn how they behave. You can watch fish, study them, see how they behave around bait, how they behave around specific uh, pieces of cover. Um, And per lake, per region, like bass behave completely different. Um, And one thing that I do with that, and there's times where you can target specific bass for sure. Like with four facing sonar, you see one on screen, you can specifically target that one. And that's a lot of fun watching them race up to your bait and such. But for me, I am very, I fish very targeted pieces of cover. Like I can't just go fish an expansive flat that has nothing and just be hoping for the best. I need to be like, okay, there's a rock pile here. There's a brush pile here. I'm very targeted in where I want to be casting. And what that forward-facing sonar does for me is I'm able to make, I'm able to line up my transducer where it's on that specific piece of cover, whether it's, A gap in the brush pile or it's the edge of a brush pile or there's a specific boulder that's bigger than the rest on the rock pile and i'm able to make very very pinpoint casts and you can do that with like say humbug mega 360 but it's just way more dialed from the forward-facing sonar standpoint where i'll say a great example to to express what i'm trying to get at here is we had a state championship here in new york and there was an offshore pipe that was coming out in about 20 foot of water and uh basically what I had is it had two grass clumps on it and one of the grass clumps you can you can see the gap in the grass clump where that pipe's at and that was where I was catching all my fish you wouldn't catch them anywhere else except for in the gap going over the pipe through that that pile of grass so you're able to make super targeted casts that's how I use it primarily is for a making as as many efficient casts as possible you can cast all day long and you can catch fish doing it but I feel like if you're if the more higher percentage of your casts are in the higher percentage areas to get bit, it's just way more efficient. So that's for me, that's how I utilize it.
0: Yeah, and Bailey, you you know, like I go out and I try to fish um, without it, and I feel like you're kind of I'm kind of casting into like no man's land. I have no idea where the fish are at. Like you can kind of tell a little bit just by looking off the bank. It's like okay, this is a steep drop off and all that stuff. But to know that there's a little gap
1: in between the weeds there where the pipe
0: is. Mm-hmm is, is great information that you can just carry and just catch more fish there.
1: Yeah. And I'll say one thing that's important before, and I, I I get a lot of questions, uh, from fellow kayak anglers about, I mean, I think half my trail has bought forward-facing sonar locally this past year after me trying to show people like how to use it. Um, and they, they ask about, you know, getting it and understanding electronics. And I think the one thing that's really important to one building your fishing instincts as an angler is to, excuse me, Know how to use technology before getting forward facing. Allow the forward facing to be another tool in your like in your toolbox for when you are out in the water. Don't make it change you as an angler. Where back in the day I was doing the same thing before I had forward facing sonar, but it was I would graph with 2D side imaging. I'd see that grass clump on side imaging. I'd mark the waypoint where that gap was. And then it would be the, which is it's funny because as millennials, we say old school, but for like, it's pretty standard for a lot of guys that have been around for a while, been using tech is you mark a waypoint, use your boat positioning, where you're, you know, where you're positioned with that, making a cast towards that waypoint. It might take you two or three casts to hit it on the head, but that was the way of doing it and fishing offshore, which honestly is, is the, like the the roots of how that started from like the, the fun of using electronics for me was it was kind of more like a geometry game. You're finding the needle in a haystack. And then you're making the right cast. When you get the bite, it's it's so worth it. So you can do it without forward-facing sonar. It's just more of, it's a little more back-end work. It just, again, it's another tool to make it a little bit easier. I like it, man. Yeah.
0: And let, let's change it up a little bit, right? Um, I know you talked about a little bit when you entered your forum about content creation. I want to shift gears a little bit um, to talk about your YouTube channel, Be The Fish. And I was going through it and I saw one playlist that is called Chasing Hardware. Um, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what that playlist is all about? Um, it's some great content in there too, for all you listeners watching. It's um, going to be a description at the bottom of this video where you can actually click it and go right to that playlist. But Bailey, why don't you just share with our listeners what that's all about?
1: Yeah. Chasing hardware for me was something where, um, again, going back to that passion for competition. Uh, and it was, it's something where it was a, a mix of that with, my love for creating content and sharing on social media. I love sharing my travels. I love sharing my thoughts, things like that. It was a way for me to have fun creating content and have this external mission on these tournaments that if I'm going to be creating content with it, let's do something cool with it. Let's, you know, give something more where the viewer can have affinity to a specific, uh, a specific series, you know, get behind what I'm doing. It's not just another tournament video. Like there's, there's a mission here in the, for me, it's, it's not more chasing dollars. I mean, the dollars are great. $10,000 was awesome. Uh, I will never say no, but, uh, for me, the, it's always like the trophies, are always the cool things to take home. Right. Cause those are the things that you can keep, you know, you can look at, they remind you of it. Money comes and goes where the trophies, like those are where it stakes your claim. That kind of shows what the work you put in. Uh, like I still have the trophy with the bait that I want on hanging back here. Like, and that was it for me. So I, we're, my buddy and I were kind of going over like, man, I kind of want to make a series out of this thing. And I didn't know what the name was. And, uh, my buddy actually made the name, my co-host on serious Angler, Andrew full. He's like, dude, chasing hardware sounds pretty cool. Cause people call trophies hardware. I was like, yeah, that is pretty sick. And so I just kind of started it as like, I'm just going to chase trophies this year. Like, and that was kind of the premise of it. And it kind of keeps it cool because it's like, it's this competitive drive. It's uh it's about, chasing the win it's about learning adjusting being better as an angler uh and that's kind of really the foundation of it and it's just kind of led to this cool series where people got behind it in the first year which is freaking awesome for me it's pretty humbling especially as a content creator so i'm excited for year two which starts in basically a month which is kind of scary because i'm not ready <laughs> so it's uh but it's it's fun man
0: It's awesome and um, yeah, you just hit on it, man. The podcast. Tell, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast. Do you interview? What do you guys talk about? Um, I'll drop a link at the bottom too, so they can check it out.
1: Yeah, appreciate that, man. Um, so Serious anguish started uh, about three years ago. Um, it's actually, we're coming up on probably three and a half. And it started. I did uh, in college. I got my bachelor's and master's in sport management, thinking that I was going to work in athletics. Did a six month internship at the university of Notre Dame working for their athletic department and the work weeks were so crazy hours wise. I had zero time to fish. I'd already was a podcast guy. I loved listening to Joe Rogan and, and learning. It was a way for me to do other work while also still learning. I didn't have to, you know, too, too much multitask. And uh, for me, it was one where I was talking uh, with a friend of mine and he's like, dude, do you have this passion for podcasts fishing? Why don't you combine the two? Like it's a way for you to still, learn while not being on the water. So started a podcast and just was like picked out like, hey, that's somebody I want to learn from. Do you want to be on my podcast? And it was super like super late. Like I just filmed them when I had no organization whatsoever. Just started like filming, putting stuff out. It was so bad. But it was uh it was fun and I had a lot of passion for it. And it turned into this big thing where it's just get on anglers whether they're big names or not and get them on to help up more selfishly me and andy learn about bass fishing to now it's this you know we have a whole network it's called the serious angler podcast network we have three shows serious anglers serious angler is the one where it's just it's straight up bass fishing education we do have some fun on the side with like fantasy fishing shows throughout the year we have another show called business from the bass boat which is all fishing industry stuff with uh our, one of our teammates adam deacon and then we have another one that's a lure lab which is a one show a week 15 20 minutes strictly on one bait so like it'll be one bait that we get on somebody that's really good at swim jigging and it's all about swim jigs and diving into the nitty-gritty stuff uh so it's turned into this whole side business that i mean hopefully one day turns into like my primary business and it's just a it's a cool passion project that uh is just surrounded by everything bass fishing and teaching educating having fun with it and uh, it seems to be gaining some steam
0: Nice, man. Where, um, where can people find that? Just give you a little quick shout out for people that are listening.
1: Yeah, wherever, if you're a podcast person or you're trying to get into podcasts, wherever you consume your MP3 or podcast content, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, et cetera, you can find us there. Just look up Serious Angler. It'll come up uh, or you can watch on YouTube, which is a Serious Angler Podcast Network YouTube channel. Nice, man. Yeah. Awesome.
0: And then, um, yeah, we were talking a little bit offline about what you do as a living. Um, with Pure Fishing. And I'm just fascinated because one of the first episodes I've ever recorded here was with a guy and he was talking about how he got his job where he currently works at now with uh, Z-Man Fishing. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just learn about how you got into uh, Pure Fishing and what you do and what kind of the day-to-day looks like for you at your job now.
1: Yeah, so my role is a senior PR manager, and it's actually at a PR agency called Gunpowder. Uh, And we have a whole like client list um, across the hunting space, outdoor space, fishing space. Um, And the teams that I work on are Pure Fishing, which for people that may not understand, Pure Fishing is probably the biggest fishing umbrella in the fishing industry with Mm -hmm. Berkeley, Abu Garcia, Ugly Stick, Fenwick, Plano, Frabo, like the list goes on. There's so many dang brands. It's hard to keep up with sometimes. Um, as well as Johnson Outdoors, which is your Humminbird, Minn uh, as well as X2 power batteries. And with that, honestly, it was more luck than anything else. I just I what I was doing at the time was I uh, got out of college, realized I did not want to continue working in athletics, but I want to keep the podcast going. So I got the podcast more polished, got a regiment going, put a lot of time into that, got my first job out of college working for a rod company up here in New York. That lasted for three months before everyone got fired because of COVID. And uh once that happened, I was like, well, dang, like no one's hiring. It's really hard to get into the fishing industry. And uh decided to start my own freelance business doing social media for people, social media, content creation, photography, that type of deal. And uh the combination with that, the podcast, uh, and having like the connections and the note, like the, the knowledge of the fishing space, combined with uh Ryan Chuckle, who's the owner of Gunpowder, being if he didn't have the creative and determined mind of you know you have no pr experience but you understand the space we'll teach you pr but you know fishing we'll give you a shot uh if he didn't give me a shot then i wouldn't be in the position i am so a lot of credit to him and the team at gunpowder it's like a big family over there and uh it's that's essentially how i got into it and the day-to-day is is basically the behind the scenes stuff that you see you know whether you see wired to fish or in Fisherman, you see Bassmaster, Major League Fishing, stuff like that cover different products, different opportunities, different videos you see, the different content that comes from that is stems from behind the scenes of myself and my team operating with those media groups to kind of almost be the liaison of here's you know what we want to cover for this. Here's new products. Let's think of fun ideas like all the April Fool stuff that you see come out from like Berkeley and such, like that stems from our team and our creative thinking. So it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a fun, creative space that's very open. Every day is not the same. Every, there's always new things that come your way. Uh, and it's super cool because I get to travel a lot. I get to go to the Classic, Red Crest. I get to run my own media events at Lakes that seem fun for the product we're trying to push and the media, we want to be there. Get to work with the different pros, which for me as a, an anger growing up, I did my very best not to be starstruck when I was first doing this thing. because I mean, these are guys you get to talk to every day and it's super cool um so man it's a lot of fun and i highly encourage anybody that you know in the fishing space like just because you see a job listing that says five years experience or something don't take that as a a block that you shouldn't apply like take a stab take a shot because worst case scenario i mean it's like asking out a girl in high school right worst case she says no so it's like yeah just just go for it have fun with it i mean it's it's a it's a really fun space and i think it's one that's grown pretty fast
0: Dude, I love it. I love it. Worst thing that they can say is no. That is right. the key right there. I love yeah. it. Um, awesome man. Few questions I just like asking everyone is as like a fun like ender wrapper up or um yeah. what's your PB bass? Largemouth bass, smallmouth bass.
1: Largemouth is seven pounds two ounces. I caught on Halloween last year. And then small mouth uh, is six pounds ten ounces.
0: Damn. What'd you catch the uh largemouth on?
1: Uh, that was an A rig. Nice. And smallmouth? Yes. Smallmouth was on drop shot.
0: Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Awesome. And just to wrap it up, anything you want to plug, the floor is yours. Any websites you want to shout out, any companies you want to shout out, anything like that, you can totally go ahead and just shout them out.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, uh, we touched on the socials a little bit throughout this episode, but, um, if anyone wants to chat further about some other th- like things that we've discussed in this, um, you can find us obviously on the podcast. serious Angler has all a bunch of social medias as well as uh, you know, I have my YouTube, I have my personal page, which is just my name. Bailey, like Brett, feel free to DM anytime you want to chat about anything, especially if it's fishing industry, if there's a way I can help by all means. And then uh really, man, beyond social media stuff, uh, I got a big shout out to you know, X2 Power. They're our title sponsor. They help us do a lot of things on the podcast side. They help me get to events kayak-wise. Uh, it really makes life a lot easier when you don't have to worry about some of the, the financial side of things, especially when you have reliable batteries that keep you running. For me being a tech guy, you know, my my graphs don't work without the proper power. Um, and then, you know, you being a Northeasterner as well. I mean, uh, I got a big shout out to Morgan Marine, which is my, the kayak dealer I work with up here in Keuka Lake, New York. Uh, they're a hobby dealer, probably the best in the Northeast. And uh, they help me out. If you guys have any kayak, especially for kayak folk out there, if you're looking to get in a kayak, you are in a kayak, looking to get accessories or get it rigged or anything along those lines, Morgan Marine is uh, is the place to be. But beyond that, man, I just uh, want to say thank you to get me on the show. And uh, it's been fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate having you. And hopefully we talk down the road, probably in season three, about uh, just a little update on how the tournament's going.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <music> you just listened to the fishing fanatics podcast
0: with your host eric stewart feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel on spotify youtube and much more check out our instagram page tiktok and facebook as well